Hello and welcome along to G'day GEA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. I'm delighted to be joined here in Gaelic Park this morning, headquarters of Melbourne and Victoria GEA by the one and only John Heenan Giggles. How's it going, Dean? Great to have you, Giggles, win the number 14 jersey full forward there for Victoria there last, well, current forward this year and full forward the year before. I'm in and around, is that too, as long as I'm inside uh, the, the 13, I don't mind. I don't like going out <laughs> any further than that. No, we know that. <laughs> also delighted to be joined by Shawnee O'Leary. Shawnee, you're looking well. Good morning, boys. Great to be here out in sunny Gaelic Park, Keysborough. Great stuff, great stuff. So we're out here this morning, there was the, the kids' GEA uh, training sessions on for the hurling and Gaelic football. Um, Shawnee's been down here for the last few Sundays, heavily involved. Myself and Giggles came down for a kind of a cameo role this morning, um, giving a bit of a hand. How did you find it, Giggles? Oh, it was it was really enjoyable. I think I, I didn't know what to expect coming out. I think I had uh, about sixteen kids in the in the coaching session between the ages of I'd say eleven, maybe and fourteen, uh, and some of the guys were very developed uh, in terms of what they're doing. And then there was a guy called Liam, actually funny enough, who was his second training session down and in the game he scored three goals out of the four on the winning team like and he just I guess listened to a few of the things like two hands in the hurley eye in the ball those small things and he, he was very effective so I think the kids got a little bit out of it but I definitely got a lot out of it myself just from in terms of being able to do something for kids out here because yeah. you don't get that like you obviously out here you'd like to think if you were back home you'd be doing a bit of coaching with the under 12s or 14s yourself and you don't have that option out here but now you do which yeah, is great which is great to see and we actually have uh, Michael Comfort and Carol Walsh coming in from Kids GA to have a chat with us Michael was one of the founding members of the Kids GA and it's just going to run through wh- where they're up to look what they're looking to do over the next few years and it's very very exciting indeed but we might just kick off first off this morning straight in with Giggles Corner Guy Henry stood up to a penalty, toughest penalty he was ever going to face in his life, you know, everything riding on it, he just buried it, you know, and... And was it a penalty, Brian, do you think? Well, Dermot Kerwin certainly gave a penalty. I mean, I, I, if you want to start wondering about all of the phrases in, in the course of the game, you'll have a fairly, fairly busy time, as you think yourself as a penalty, Marty. Well, I, I wasn't too sure, but it, it just seemed a little bit dodgy in, in the replay. I have no idea, Marty. Did you check all the other phrases as well to see where they dodgy <laughs> also? Maybe you should. Maybe you should. In, in terms of the referee, did you, were you pleased overall? I'm sure you are now, considering you've won the All-Ireland. But did you think he allowed a lot to go? Oh, Marty, please give me a break. With, uh, the referee, uh, referee, we're supposed to say nothing about referees. I make a habit of saying absolutely nothing about referees. During McCurvin, I was, I'm certain in my head was going out to be the very, very, very best he possibly could be. You seem to have had a problem with him. You tell me. special what have you got for us I have a funny one I was kind of I had, I had Shane Lardner the brick from our club and Gary Owen tagged me in something and there was, an, there was an awful lot of traffic on the team in the last 25 years and I know we did something on this recently maybe about three or four months ago on what the best team of the last 25 years was inter-county wise 
And, and just, just to recap for everyone, the team I had at the time, and obviously there was people giving out about positional things and, and X, Y, and Z, was Damien Fitzhenry in goal, Tommy Welch, cornerback, Brian Lohan and Ollie Canning, Brian Wheelahan, Shawnee McMahon and JJ Delaney, uh, Michael Fenley and Ken McGrath, uh, DJ Henry and Ben O'Connor, and Owen Kelly, Joe Canning and John Milan. So not a bad team, right? First part was Paul Flynn in that. No, he <laughs> wasn't. I know we were different argument there, but we, we'll park that for a moment. So I said what i do is I, I had a spare hour and work there one evening and I, the brick had tagged me and that's so why I was like, right, I'll look at the statistics on this and try and come up with some sort of a statistical way to see what was the best team of the last 25 years, right? Very busy in work at the moment, Giggins, uh, are you? I, I, I was actually not, <laughs> last week I wasn't too busy. So I, I, I took five categories so that if you won a hurdler of the year, it was worth 25 points. If you won an All-Star, it was worth 15 points. If you won an All-Ireland, it was worth 10. If you won a Provincial Medal, it was worth five. And if you won a National Hurling League, it was worth five. Brilliant. All right. So I took 35 players and put them into a spreadsheet. And I came up with a team based solely on the amount of points that you get out of that. And I, when I got that team, I totally disregarded it because it ended up having 12 Kilkenny lads and three others because of the amount of all Ireland's, right? So I had to come up with just a little gate then to stage and the gate was that you had to have at least four All-Stars to make it through to the next phase. So the most points got with, with all those five um, things, so hurdler of the year, 25 points. If you had uh, All-Stars, 15, and All-Ireland was 10, and a, month, a provincial and a hurling league was five, worth five each. So... The team that kind of came out of that, and there was some... Henry Shefflin obviously scored the highest because he had three hurler of the years. He had, what is it, 10 All-Irelands, 11 All-Stars, 13 Provincials and six National Leagues. So you left him in, did you? So he, he got on the of team, course. yeah. <laughs> but it was very interesting, and, and some of the players that players mightn't have picked, even in any of the teams I saw, were statistically, under this mechanism, had to be on the team, right? So the team that came through was Brendan Cummins was the best goalie. Um... Tommy Welch, cornerback, Brian Lohan. How is he in cornerback again? Because the top go. four, the top four, don't, don't, we're the not top four players this. were all half backs. So the best six backs got in, and Tommy got sh- shunted to the corner because he's small. Uh, but Tommy Welch, cornerback, Brian Lohan was at fullback. Uh, both those players won a hurler of the year. And then Jackie Tyrrell got the other cornerback because of the number of All Irelands, mm-hmm. and I think he had four All Stars. So he, he just scraped through mm-hmm. uh, with his All Stars ahead of Ollie Canning, who didn't have any, but he had four All Stars as well. The half-back line, interestingly enough, Brian Whelan and JJ Delaney, either side on the two wings, as you'd expect. But Brian Corcoran at centre-back had won two hurler of the years in 1992 and 1999 and had won four All-Stars. So he was by far and ahead ahead of Sean McMahon or Ken McGrath and here on Kerry in terms of the points. I think I actually said him on, on my oh, did team. Did you have yeah. him So Brian Corcoran was in at number six. Midfield, uh, both these players have four All-Stars and one hurler of the year, uh, Tony Brown and Jerry O'Connor. So Jerry O'Connor wouldn't have had it in. Michael Fenley, I believe, has three All-Stars. He didn't have the four, so that's what kind of oh, knocked really? him out of it. We had a half-forward line of DJ Carey and Henry, which you'd expected to stay mm. there. And at number 10, then, we had James e. O'Connor from Clare. Yeah. One, one hurler of the year, 1997. Four All-Stars and two All-Irelands. And then we had an inside line of Owen Kelly from Tipperary, who has six All-Stars, Joe Canning, who has five All-Stars, and Hurler Deer, and Eddie Brennan, Eddie Brennan number yeah. 15, who has, sure I think, yeah. four All-Stars Eddie has, but he's eight All-Irelands in the How many All-Stars is Milan? Milan has five. 
but it, when you add up the points for Eddie Brennan because of his All Ireland's and his leagues and all that, he was miles ahead of that. Found Eddie Brennan there, yeah. Now I think one one of the players I'm, I'm, I might have made a mistake here, but Richie Hogan and TJ Reid, one of them, should, Richie Hogan should be on this team as well somewhere, because he's got four All Stars and a harder of the year, and I think I'm after making a mistake there. So one of them forwards will have to go, but um, that's that's the way the team was at. I'm just after looking at my thing. Probably I GMZ. Could be James, yeah. Could be Owen Kelly because he's no harder the year if we picked harder yeah. the year. But so you, you can mess around with all those stats anyway. But that was the team. That was I a good little system, yeah, So good. give us, give us your ranking again. What was the points? So if anyone wants to go on the spreadsheet over Christmas and challenge me now, yeah, the, the points were twenty-five points for harder the year. I guess my thinking around that was you're picking a team of the year based on individuals, not yeah. on, on a team. So if, if it was on a team, you'd probably pick the fifteen Kilkenny lads from the year two thousand and whatever yeah. it was, <laughs> two thousand and sixteen. Uh, 15 points for an All-Star, again, the individual award above the team, 10 for an All-Ireland, and then five each if you had a provincial or a national hurling league. So, d- Giggles had labelled item money ball, maybe we call it Giggles ball. Giggles ball, yeah, Giggles maybe ball, <laughs> money yeah. ball. It was kind of, I'd, I'd watched actually the movie during the week, uh, Money Ball, Billy Bean, where the Oakland A's came up with this whole new strategy for drafting players in the American Baseball League, and they nearly won the World Series with the lowest paid team in the series, and that, that's kind of what triggered yeah. the thought and work when I had an hour spare, so that, that was the team I came up with anyway. Very good, brilliantly done, well done. You yeah, know, that was good, Giggles, no, um... It's very to, to put the weightings across them is very difficult. But I think you came up with a fairly fair one, and you still managed to get a few Kilkenny lads on, which must have been still hard <laughs> enough here. But no matter what system you came up with, they would have had to come on anyway. Oh no, I think I think there was there was always six or seven Kilkenny lads. Even the team I picked would know, just using my own kind of intuition. There was more Cork lads on it than I had on my team. But it was interesting. Yeah. I, th- I thought there was a couple of interesting ones. Brian Corcoran was one that jumped out at me off the page when I did the research. Jerry having one. Uh, hurler of the year and four all-stars and Ben only having two all-stars was, was very interesting I thought when I put them side by yeah, side yeah well, Ben O'Connor missed though didn't he he's only got two all-stars yeah, yeah so he was yeah Jerry like, like when you're picking on you know opinion and form and that you'd always say yeah. Ben is always the standout yeah. like. well it's opinion is, is and then I guess if you did that Kilkenny team that had 12 people no Hickey was the fullback because he had so many all-Irelands yes, and yes, provincials yes. Yeah. Whereas everyone would say Brian Lowen or maybe arguably... So Jim what was the disclaimer to get rid of those again? What, what was you the had gate? to have a gate of, one, uh, of at least four All-Stars. Four All-Stars, yeah. okay. Beautiful. okay. Four All-Stars or a hurler of the year and three All-Stars. So okay. if you had a hurler of the year and three All-Stars, you counted that up as four. That's fair, Giggles. We can't argue with that. Yeah, so I tried to be fair and reasonable in my approach. And uh, I think... So the minimum entry requirement uh, is four All-Stars or a hurler of the year and three All-Stars. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thanks very much, Rack Eagles. Coming up next, we have... Michael Comfort and Carol Walsh coming in to have a chat with us about kids GA in Melbourne. In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Things were just going through my head, you know, and because I can only, I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Warford are my life, you know, and I, 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 I love, I love, I love my county, you know. We love Jumbaland. Delighted to be joined here by Michael Comerford from Castle Comer in County Kilkenny. Carl Walsh, what part of Clare, Carl? Milltown, Malbay. Milltown, Malbay, West Clare. Um, Michael Comerford here, the founder of Kids GA. When was it set up, Michael? Uh, so our first Sunday would have been November 2016. So effectively. Uh, two years ago, so we're we're heading into the start of our third summer now. 
And Michael, obviously, Gaelic Park has been here for a long time and Gaelic Games have been played out in Gaelic Park for a long time. But it's probably the first time there's been a, a coordinated effort to have the underage hurling and Gaelic football played down here. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, well, listen, what well, I've got an 11-year-old and a nearly 13-year-old now, so what are we talking about? They would have been 9 and 11 two years ago, so at our first, first summer. But they'd been coming down here to Gaelic Park with me every summer for the major events, so... Pierce's Gary Owen, we'd be out here with hurls and slitters um, and, a, and an O'Neill's ball in between the breaks and games out having a puck and a kick for a number of years. You know, do I know there was a chap down in Mornington, Padder had Gaelic football going one national day. Several years ago, my boys were probably around three and five, you know. So by the time they got into that age bracket, Padder's kids had, had got out of it and he'd moved on. So there was no, there was that short period where he was doing a bit of Gaelic football down in Mornington. Um, and I guess, look, it's like the same old adage, Liam, isn't it? When you're waiting for someone to do something, it's generally yourself, isn't it? So, and I just, I just started, you know, asking people down here, to, you know, did they know of anything? I started contacting the clubs, and obviously the clubs are geared and orientated towards, you, you know, uh, senior uh, and adults, you know, men and women. So they had no facilities. So I realised that once I started asking the question, I had to keep going. So then it was just a question of posting things in all the Irish family groups, to see who would, would anyone do anything, was anyone interested in it to get a feel from it from a, I guess I was thrown out even from a commercial point of view going, is there interest in doing so? Yeah. I described my scenario and then suggested to people, who's interested in doing so? So there was lots of people, I had, you know, as you do with everything, you know, there's always, and again, from my own personal experience, from a commercial as aspect, you can always be aware of enthusiasm. I had people putting their hands up to do all sorts of things. You know, once you get going, I've never seen them. You know, but what was really important is is that uh, from the very off, Keith Cavanagh said, "If you do anything, I'll be with you." Um, so we do, that was really important because although I was determined to get things going, if you don't have someone to support and lean on, and somebody who has an internal understanding, because I wasn't involved in any mm. club, you know, that's all that stuff was way behind me. What was the first Sunday like down here? We had about we had about fifty something kids the first Sunday. You know, that was an so amazing from, turnout for the first yeah, day. So from four to fourteen years of age at that stage, you know, and so we, you know, immediately divided into three little groups. Um, we had access to some hurls, so we did a little bit of hurling on the second Sunday. Um, but initially, our plan was to do football. I mean, I know I'm from a hurling county, but the the we we had an understanding that you know you gotta you gotta crawl walk before you run. So we knew the logistics of hurling, much and all, as we're delighted to have you know, John down here this morning doing the hurling. Uh, if we'd thrown the idea that we were going to do hurling and football straight off, you'd be disappointing people and you'd be creating you know, inconsistencies with what you're trying mm. to present. I mean, we have issues, as Sean will tell you now currently, that we don't have enough uh, small hurls for the little kids, so technique is really impacted. So... Although people from where I'm from in Cornwall would go, Jesus, that lad's coaching hurling, you know. <laughs> but I've I've heard enough of them talking about it to know that technique is important. So we know the equipment is really important. So we the mindset was was to get football going, get football yeah. and get an interest. And we knew everyone would like hurling if we could get them down here. Yeah. And then we needed the the equipment. And and it's kind of just snowballed from there in a sense. And then we had to find. You know, little targets, particularly with the older kids. You know, kids that are playing competitive sport and kids that are playing competitive sport here at eight and nine 
you know, basketball is very competitive here. Footy gets competitive under 11s. So kids are brought up with a really competitive. It's a little bit different to back home where, you know, a lot of kids don't play competitive sport till under 12, you know, sometimes under 14, mm -hmm. you know, but here it's very competitive. So mindful of that, then we had to set some targets. So that's why, you know, we took, the, took all the kids to Adelaide in March, you know, then taking the kids up to Sydney. We're going to Adelaide again in March. You know, what John Rainey did down at Geelong was just fantastic mm. because that gave another, another um, event to target, which is really important with the older kids, that they have um, something that they're competitive towards mm. as opposed to just coming down. You know, you have some of the zealots amongst the kids who just love playing hurling Gaelic football. And funny enough, most of those for other girls, yep. you know, they're just happy to come down and just learn and play the game. One of the most interesting things for me is obviously we have a lot of um, children of Irish-born people playing here on a Sunday morning, but that's not necessarily the target audience for this, that we've had Australian-born children with Australian parents. Yeah, well, you, had, you, were, coaching, you were coaching two little boys this morning, Liam, mm -hmm. um, little Charlie, Charlie and Oscar, Oscar. and uh, their, their dad, Andy, comes down because a friend of his is Irish, spoke about what the kids were doing. Now, his friend's not here today because they've got um, Christmas commitments, but he's still here with his two boys. They just love it. Mm. They love it. They I love think, it. I think that's a really special thing, and I, I think it's something that, as myself and Giggles and Shawnee obviously are involved in playing hurling with Gary Owen, and like you said, our focus is we mainly have Irish expats playing in our teams, and that's, that's our focus. But yeah. to see broadening the games out to the wider Australian population, to people who might have had no affiliation with Gaelic games before I think that's a really special thing to help grow the games and very special to see this morning to see that there oh, and that they keep coming yeah, back down yeah, that they're yeah. buying into that because like, before, there's no way you would have thought that before that the games would open up like that which is really special to see yeah and look again it's um, the environment is critical to that Liam you know because look Andy is the father of those two little Australian boys has you know has been on record uh, acknowledging how welcoming the environment is, which then goes back to your point about kids who wouldn't have a Gaelic affiliation perhaps here or at home. You know we've got some kids who are, their 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 connection to home and 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 culture is cultus, but they came down because um, their mother wanted them to do something connected. And now one of those young girls is just she's like the Pied Piper now. She just brings girls. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she brought down. She brought down a, a, a girl with a Russian mum, um, who just loves Gaelic football. She brought down a little Indian girl this summer, who was born in India of Indian parents, who just loves hurling. You know, so I mean, obviously, we want all the kids, you know, of the Irish diaspora, if they're in Melbourne on a Sunday morning between four and uh, fifteen, sixteen years of age, come down here and play. But if if kids can bring their Australian uh, friends from the point of view that they're loving the environment, well, that's critical. And again, as you talk about, you know, you know Gary Owen and all the clubs here, Pierce's, Wolf Tones, Kevin's, all them create a, an environment for um, some settled, but a lot of travelling Irish, you know, so maybe a transient community. Yeah. So you play the games, so there's a social aspect to it for adults, mm. which is very different to what happens at a club at home. You know, because at a club at home, you know, you, you play, but then you go out with your mates. Your mates may be two of the fellas on the team, yeah. but they may not be all that, so it's a different environment. But when you go down to that club, you'll see the under-14s, you'll see the football team, you'll see the girls' football team, you'll see all those things happening in your club. 
and I guess that's what we're trying to really focus on creating that pathway so that it's, it's a welcoming environment for those kids but more importantly that their families recognise it that, that it's, um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's consistent with what clubs are doing at home yeah, you know, where you go into clubs in Ireland you know, the Polish kid is not an irregularity now you know, there's Polish teenagers now in every club but it's the African kids you know, the Middle Eastern kids you know, a friend of mine sent me a story the other day about the young Brazilian who came back home to see Galway in the 2015 All-Ireland, you know, and he would be in a potential um, minor hurler for Galway back then. So our, our, our clubs and GA at home, you know, it's built on inclusion and diversity now. And that's the environment we need to focus on here. Yeah, and that's I think that's a very, very exciting part. And obviously there's a big movement on in some of the schools here in Melbourne, particularly where we do have some Irish teachers in the schools and they play with our, our clubs here as well, that there's a push on for the games in the schools, which is very, very important, I think. But even Carl here is with us here this morning. Carl, you had played Gaelic football when you arrived here first in Melbourne and then probably finished up and you've come back into the scene this year. But what brought you back down probably originally was your young son, getting back involved playing yeah that's right um, you know I played Gaelic football for a large part of my life from you know under 12 to uh, I suppose well into my 30s and unbelievably playing at 51 this year with Pierce's in the junior competition so the junior competition offers a lot to all, all men and women as it turns out but uh, yeah I played here you know contrary to some public opinion I've actually played here quite a bit I played for Gary Owen in the early days under Ted O'Sullivan played with his son uh, played with Jim Stein's younger brother and then a few years ago, a friend of mine from Limerick, Michal Lynch, asked me down. His father's from Milton, actually. Uh, and I played under Vinny with, with Pierce's and had a lot of fun with that. But I have to say, you can still teach a dog old tricks. And I came down here by accident, really, uh, with my son a year ago. I met Michael for the first time in Keith. And, of course, um, you know, the GA never leaves your blood or your DNA. And I was sort of hooked straight away. But Michael recounts a good comment that my son made on the way home in the car because I said to him you know how did you enjoy that his first session and he said to me dad it was so relaxed you know and what was interesting about that was he plays a lot of Australian sport where as Michael said it starts early and uh, we would argue certainly I would argue speak for myself here it's, it's a bit too intense too early in, in, in a lot of cases which it shouldn't necessarily be when you're young that young and what he loved about here was was the vibe, the atmosphere. It was relaxed. You could make mistakes. You could go again, and uh, and then the whole feeling of community and identity. And that's that sounds cliched, but it's not, because I mean the kids are coming from all over the place. There's boys and girls of all ages, and yet the way they work together, the way they unite with each other, not only down here but on the trips to Adelaide, the trips to Sydney, the trips down to Geelong, it really is something to behold, you know. Uh, and 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 we've got something very very special here. And back to what, uh, you know, I've got to support what Michael said hugely because we want to see the modernity of the GA in Ireland come to uh, Australia. Now, that might sound a bit of a strange thing to say, and that all goes back down to behaviours and respect and values. And, you know, you guys know it as players, you know, you, you can see it in you guys when you play for your clubs in Victoria, but we need that to be seen and exhibited across all the GA here in Victoria uh, for us to be stronger and for people to feel safe and welcome and included here and to stay because there are so many great kids but also great parents uh, who we want to not only just come down casually but also stay and be involved and, and, and put in. So, you know, what, what I think Michael has started and his vision supported by Keith and now by others 
um, is fundamental to the growth of our association here in, in Victoria and, and I would dare I say beyond across Australia. Yeah, and I think it's really important the parts you're championing around the relaxed atmosphere uh, kids can f- feel free to make mistakes and yet there still have those couple of games where you went away and you went away to Adelaide you've gone down to Geelong that you get to play a competitive game as well at the end of it but that's not the focus the focus is learning the skills enjoying themselves and just having fun which you can see there I've been down a few I've only been down a few Sundays but every Sunday you go away thinking God everyone is really enjoying themselves down there which is really nice to see um, from a from a coaching perspective, I've only been involved for a few months now with the, with the gang here, and and that's really what it is exactly exhibiting what the um, the boys are saying there. It's it's really about we've got a unique and special game in our her- heritage, and we and we've got an opportunity to show not only the Irish diaspora, but as we said, you know, you know, introduce the multicultural aspect to the whole thing here as well, and 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 the word diversity, Michael, you used. That's exactly what it is. We're in. We're in a, you know, not only here in Australia, but it's 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 the same in Ireland, like diversity, and it's it's probably a word that's never used in um, in the GA back home, and it, it probably should be, but it's it's like we've got this unique game, like, and it's just great. You just get so much enjoyment just by showing young kids how to play the game, and just just getting the basic skills. That's all you want them to get to learn, and you just you just see you see the joy in their faces and the satisfaction they get out of it and the fun and enjoyment they get out of it and that's that's really what it is and that's the fundamentals and the the foundations of any sport if you can just get that into them it'll progress they'll they'll progress it themselves because they'll want to learn more and they'll want to get better and they'll they'll want to be the guy charging up the field with the ball and nobody you know stopping them so we're really like that's that's really it is the foundation of it and that's the most enjoyable thing about it and on that point, Michael, you were up in Sydney um, a few a few weeks ago at the Sydney Irish Festival, and you did play at half time between the Kilkenny and Galway game, which was an amazing thing for the kids, I'm sure, to travel up and, be, and, be, and yeah. be part of that. And I know you met the Kilkenny team and the Galway team um, beforehand on the day before, and they were very generous with their time. But from talking to you after it, one of the big things, the big takeaway point for you was that for the clinics that you ran before the game for the for kids from Sydney or whoever was up there to come along to learn the skills and that the big takeaway for you is it was actually the kids that were down here on the Sunday morning were teaching the kids Absolutely. up in Sydney yeah yeah well look I, 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 in a sense it almost passed them by you know because we were doing the bus journey back on the Monday so I went down and had a chat with them uh, and I said to them what did you think of the clinic you know and they said oh it was great I said so what happened at the clinic and obviously it was a leading question and they're going oh you so they kind of pointed it back towards me and said, you, you know I mean, we collectively. I said, sorry, who? So I led it back to them going, well, who did the, who did the skill sessions? So who demonstrated the skills in the clinics? And they said, we did. I said, so you effectively ran the clinics then. So you taught the kids in Sydney how to play hurling. And they're going, oh, okay, well, I suppose when you put it like that. I said, so when you came down here over winter, did you think that, you know, in a space of a few months when you're learning hurling, that you would then be up there showing kids hurling which is you know it was a great again you know we're very different to being at home you know we had you know, I mentioned this to John earlier on he he had a um, a Crossman Glen man out helping him out with the hurling this morning you know who's won six club all Ireland's with his club and just loves football but loves seeing his son play hurling now so we had him and Keith a swordsman a football man through and through running one end of the clinics and uh, and all these young Australian-born kids showing kids how to do the clinics. We had a man from 
um, the northeastern suburbs, uh, Jason managing the flow of kids, and we had a we had a we had a chap from the northern suburbs, Scott, holding the commands, teaching kids how to pull, you know, with his Australian accent saying "pull on it like you hate it," <laughs> you know. So again, so we had this an amalgam of people that non non hurling tradition environments, but seeing what their kids were getting out of it, what their own kids were getting out of it, just completely investing in it and obviously the kids were just so dynamic were so dynamic it was you know we had I got little bits of footage of a couple of the kids literally just walking over getting down on their hands and knees you know as two of the older boys Robbie and um, Robbie and um, Matt and Ashane I got footage of Robbie and Matt doing it. it was just it was just immense it was just to see they took ownership of the little kids um, you know we encouraged them to do so but they did you know so they started effectively channeling their own capacity to mentor which is brilliant and what you, what's the next steps michael obviously for kids ga here in melbourne you've you suppose you had your first year's your 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 breakthrough year now mm. your second year you've kind of got steady enough numbers down with and it's grown a little bit what's the future what what do you see the future probably in the next three to five years well again we'll, we'll go back to the initial target with starting out football was always going to be the easier thing to do so so we're going to have a gaelic football blitz towards the end of this summer um, so we'll bring in football clubs. Um, so it'll be a mixed blitz between under 12s, under 14s, under 16s. Um, that then hopefully then sets in place the connection with these clubs to create a summer competition. You know, so in the so this time next year we'd look to be culminating a league format and then having the post Christmas period having a little championship format across those age groups, because obviously, you know. Australia is a unique environment where you've already got uh, credentialed Gaelic footballers not playing Gaelic football. They just play footy, you know. But you teach them the nuances of, you know, the crouch pickup, the soft touch rather than kicking the skin off the ball every time they touch it. You know, we see it. We've got a couple of kids that come down here now, uh, young Paddy Adair, who's just, he, he, he could be a carry man the way he plays football, you know, and he just comes down from a footy club because um, his dad used to come down here years ago. No immediate connection, but he's just a poster boy for what we can potentially do. Then obviously we want to keep developing the hurling, and that'll be alongside that. So obviously hurling becomes a little bit more nuanced in terms of how we develop that, but to me it's really important because I think Shawnee touched on it. You know, uh, one of our parents, you know, Australian parents said one day, watching his kid uh, with the hurl in his hand, I hope uh, Colin Parkinson's not listening because he doesn't like that word, kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> child, child, Colin. Um, uh, holding a hurl, and he said it was like channeling. It was like channeling his culture. You know, so it's, it's, the symbolism of hurling is really important, you know. Uh, so football will be easier, always easier for us to get going, but the hurling is always going to underpin it because, look, we joked about this a couple of weeks ago. Carol made a presentation to some of the parents about what we'd be doing going forward in the summer. You know, we joked about the year when we'd have the failed team. But when you look at the kids that are down there with Shawnee and Fergal doing hurling, and you know, and granted Sean Oak, Sean's little fella is lovely and wristy and Fergal are lovely and wristy, but you know, I was watching little Mairead who's only come down a few, you know, this is her first summer down here. She's seven, you know, and I was just saying to her dad how wristy she is, yeah. you know. So we get them in early enough and again, get the equipment right for them. And again, you just create the environment. You know, what's really important is the environment because the kids want to come back. Um, then, you know, our oldest kids, 
may, you know, they may have to get to minor before they get to uh, plenty of competitive games because we may to develop that, you know, the playing depth for them to play with. But with the young kids, you know, that's if we can see we see a fail a team out of Melbourne within the next, you know, ten to twelve years. That'd you know, be amazing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and I think it's. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Absolutely. I mean, like, I know, like, John, myself, and Liam, like, we wouldn't have started playing hurling as young as the guys are playing hurling out here. Mm. There's no, I know for a fact I wasn't in a juvenile club at at four, five, six years of age. I think I only started playing hurling about eight or nine, ten, maybe. I mean, so they're actually getting a head start already. So there's, that's, like, that that fearless story or ambition is 100% a possibility. There is no boundary on that, really. Yeah, absolutely uh, yeah, yeah and I think the big the big point is like you said when you have kids coming down for the first time at 11, 12 playing hurling compared to the kids who are down at this morning yeah. at the age of 4 yeah, like yeah. they love the hurling as much as they love the football because yeah. they won't know any different uh, exactly you know what exactly. I mean so I think yeah. that's a really really special that, to get that exposure at that age yeah and, and um, listen we, I'm looking, what we've done here is I've, you know, it's a long time since I lived in Ireland so there was no gay, go game structure when I was there so a cool camp I've seen when taking my kids home so a lot of stuff Structurally, I'm more familiar with is Auskick, mm. but what I know from Keith, etc., was the whole split at home. You know, if it was an hour and a half session. It was 45 minutes of hurling, 45 minutes of football. So if we can, if we can maintain that uh, practice, as you said, with those younger kids, they're just going to grow up and they're going to expect that their football team will also be a hurling team. Yeah. You know, so we'll create that dual capacity going forward. Why we just say, say to giggles yeah, as we we're walking off is that we're going to end up have to have a, a draft system for when the kids come through um, out of minor to feed into the, the well, six, to six well, or listen, seven clubs. Listen, just two, two, two things I would add to what Michael has said and Sean has said is that the, and I know Michael is deeply passionate about this as am I, is that we must ensure that uh, there's very strong female participation. Uh, we're very passionate about that. We're very serious about that. The numbers we have evidence that. In fact, in, since I started playing here 17 years ago, one of the things that's very positive is the size of the female playing population. I think it's about 40% of the senior population. That, that is incredibly powerful. Why that's powerful is not only f- for itself, but also the parents see that and the young girls see that, right, when they come out here. So I think we need to make sure that's one of our strong guiding principles, uh, whether it be hurling football or whatever it might be. The other thing I would add, Liam, is that, of course, when you bring people down uh, to play games, there must be facilities that are suitable for them, right? You must have facilities that are suitable for children of all ages, and you must have facilities that are suitable for females, young females and older females. And so, you know, we, we, we should also dream big about that as much as we do about the growth of, of the kids' game and the growth of the men's game and the growth of the women's game. Why can't we dream big on all fronts uh, and be ambitious uh, around all those things for the betterment of all our players, our parents, uh, and and the association. Yeah, and we're probably in a very lucky situation here in Australia that because of the weather that we do get, that it can be an all-round season for the kids. I know there's conflicts with other sports, Australian sports, that, but I know you guys still come down here in the winter, Michael, even though they're in Drazi AFL season. And I think that's really amazing. I think to, to Carol's point that this place can be uh, all year round facility for Gaelic games for boys and girls, males and females of all ages and all backgrounds and all cultures. And I think that's a huge aspiration of probably the wider GA Victoria. It's not just kids GA, but I think that working together that it could be amazing just to have games all year round down here. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, if we, if we have a, a suitable indoor facility um, and a suitable external surface, so potentially an all-weather surface going forward, you know, that's, again, the weather facilitates that in this environment. Um, then you just need the facilities supported. And obviously, we're developing the infrastructure from a, a personnel point of view, you know, more people. And as Carol said, critical to that is, you know, the, the attendance of girls we had that were coming down over the winter was just amazing. You know, the girls who hadn't played hurling, they were just rocking up here every every Saturday and Sunday, wintry mornings, just to get into the hurling, you know. Which, but, yeah, definitely there's a capacity here. Um, look, obviously with kids, the big thing once they get, you know, 12 and upwards, um, major events uh, have to be steered around that um, uh, autumn through to sp spring um, because the big commitment here is footy and for some other kids' soccer, so their their winter seasons are the big heavy ones, but there's no reason why you know kids and their families here are sports mad. So you could have if you have the facilities here, you could have a winter league on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and people would come if it was for hurling and Gaelic football because if they think they're keeping up their skills for when the major summer season comes, yeah, we do it with basketball with my kids. I coach basketball by default and. Uh, we play all year round. There's a winter season, summer season. We finished yesterday. We'll resume again in February. Basketball's on all year round. So, and people never stop playing it because they don't want to miss out. So if we create, again, the structure here whereby kids can come down and play in a summer league and a winter league, they'll, they'll, they'll play. Yeah. Well, look, it's great work that you've been doing for the last two years, Michael and Carol, and we're... Great, great to be involved with it there this morning. I know Sean has been involved for the last last few months, and I think spreading the word amongst the clubs and getting other people down from the clubs to help out. I know that's happened earlier in the year as well. I think coming down here, the enjoyment you get from seeing the kids in action, whether it be the gay football or the hurling, is amazing. Um, so I, I can see hopefully we get some more people down to give just give a hand and to get get in amongst it because as the numbers grow. You guys are going to need, I think, oh, some more coaches. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, no, yeah. no. Thank you very much, Liam, and thank you very much, John and and Shawnee. Yeah, this is, yeah. Um, look, I know I, I've I've referenced Martin Fogarty, my townie, a number of times because he he's got a significant line when he talks to people in in Ulster about hurling. You know, because people are often reserved that they'd like to get hurling going, but they they're concerned about their expertise. And he underlines to everybody that it's enthusiasm that's far more important than expertise. Because you can learn the skills that are the critical skills to teach someone and then get out of the way. And that's effectively the environment we want to create here. But yeah, but it will be important going forward to lean on the clubs. And I think the clubs will realise it. You know, as our kids start to get older, and then, you know, it, it's a reference in, in jest to a degree about having a draft. But, but the reality is, is that would be, you know, we're in a, an environment in Australia where sport is regulated like that. So it would make sense. You know, we've, you know, John would have seen it. We've got some good hurlers out there this morning that there's no point them going, when they get to the age of 17 and 18, going to the team that just won the championship. You know, they should be put into the team that needs players, yeah. you know, and, and that's how we would see the development going forward. But obviously then we want to get clubs exactly prepared to do what you guys have done and Fergus and was down today and Fergus here every every Sunday you know two Pierce's men as well so we want to get all the clubs on board as, as much as possible because yeah I think again it's like everything when you're exposed to it you realize that well I've got to open the morning go out and hang out with kids 
and then you come out and you kind of go geez that was great fun <laughs> and the kids loved it look they my two boys were just so excited about being coached by Victorian hurlers today you know they were just they were just they thought it was a great great idea loved it well thanks very much guys for coming in and having a chat to us and we wish you all the best for the rest of the year and we might touch base with you next year to see how things are going yeah thanks a million Liam Nully Connie Dave Galeran Travelling in a fight on a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady she made me nervous she took me in and gave me breakfast and she said do you come from a land down under Great to have uh, Michael and Carolyn with us there to have a chat. Amazing work that's going on down here. And Shawnee's a big part of that at the moment with doing work with the under sixes. And you, you went down to Giggles after you had done some work with some of the older kids. The transition to going from working with the 14-year-olds down to the to the four-year-olds, how did you find that? Yeah, that, that was very interesting. <laughs> I guess with teenagers, you can do an element of go here and they, and they do what you tell you. Whereas with a, a three-year-old or a four-year-old <laughs> or a five-year-old, you need to coax and vajole and, uh, and kind of make sure that they're kind of, be, you're being a lot nicer. But what I found was when I saw the two matches in play, the level of aggression from the four-year-olds was probably a lot more than it was from the yeah. teenagers. There was helmets and fingers being blasted left, right and centre. That's because Shawnee's <laughs> firing them up before every session. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's very ironic that I'm actually with the, with the kids who, who, who require the more patience because I wouldn't be a man who has the most patience. But <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's uh, uh, like... Um, like coming down here you're like you know coming down on a Sunday morning and training them and the next thing when you, when you finish up and everything and like the enjoyment you and satisfaction you get yourself personally is massive like you, yeah. I get as much enjoyment out of teaching them how to haul a hurley as, as anything else really Yeah. and that's all I do with them really is the basics teach them how to haul a hurley how to just make contact with a ball or a tyre or whatever is out there and they love it they, they love yeah. it like I think the, the thing is they love putting on a helmet and just holding a hurley because they feel like they're a part of something here, you know. So I'm glad, I'm glad a few of them had the helmet on because there was a bit of a game at the end. The amount of them got hit in the head. Yeah. Because like. they all stand close to each other. We have this little game at the end where there's just slitters everywhere and they all stand and they're just blasting balls and whatever's in the way is going to get hit in you. So, no, it's great. It's brilliant. And, and like, like, the funny thing about it is, like, you know when hopefully this progresses and, it, and you know it goes over time and like you'll come out here in Gaelic Park in 10 years time or 12 years time and you'll have the adult team um, in the championship with Gary Owen or Sinn Féin or Walt who or Shamrocks or whoever else and like they'll all have full-blown Aussie accents and they'll be so competent at hurling and good, if not, of hurling. good if not better yeah exactly whereas at the moment here no it's just Irish accents everywhere and you have no Aussie accents out here at all, you know, in the hur- especially in the hurling. In football, you might have a few scattered around, but in the hurling, like in 10, 12 years' time, yeah. it'll be like you'll hear guys coming off the field here with full-blown Aussie accents, and they're, yeah. you know, a competent hurler and footballers. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be very interesting to see if we're if we're still here. No, I think it, it's here to stay, and it's very, very exciting and, and great credit to, to all involved with Kids G and all the fantastic work they're doing, and and indeed all the work that's going on all around Australia in the in the different states and promoting the games. But obviously, just we're, we're just going to finish up here shortly. But just having a quick look at home this week. Obviously, the news broke this week about the massive overspend 
in, in Parky Cueve over 25 million euros Shawnee I sent it on in the, in the WhatsApp group I was met with you know Shawnee bit, yeah Shawnee <laughs> bit straight away he was hopping it back to me if that's all the small minded people in Kilkenny are worrying about there's not much to be worried no, about no, no. It, I, I was no no all I, this I, kind of stuff it was fair enough oh, hold on let me let, just, let me get, set the record straight here now I was met with all this abuse about the, 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 the stadium which I completely agree with but then we had to fire in about that's why there's no success and and the it, field of play. With I didn't Cork, say that. Which actually, that's why they won nothing this year. You said. I, no, I just said they spent a hundred odd million. They still won nothing. That's all. I won no, exactly. So that there's no com, there's no comparison there, and they won months of championship this year by, by the way as well. They retained it. So there there you go. There's success. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, off the field items, I I just you know what? I'm not surprised to be honest with the carry on of the Cork County Board over the last. 10, 15 years and controversy after controversy and this is just another but another another item to throw into the fire with the rest of it. But it's just really disappointing to see that. Obviously, there's huge taxpayer money involved. There was Croke Park money involved, Cork County Board money involved and obviously donations and other funding. But that, who's picking up the bill for that now is the GEA, mm. which is everyone across the country and across the world where that money could have been gone into. I'm not talking about the actual spend. Just say they said, oh, that's going to cost 80 million, no problem. But I do have a problem with it. But at least if they, if they spent the eighty, fine. But now it's going to be another twenty-five on top yeah. of that. That's going to have to come from somewhere. Yeah, like that's what's really disappointing about. It, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, they're totally right. And like, it's 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 not it's no different to anything that would happen with say what, if the Irish government did something similar to that and overspent or even in the tough times when when they were forking out money to the banks, like taxpayers are paying for all that kind of stuff. And mm. it's the same thing now in the GA. Mm. The ordinary member, their membership money, is going to pay, fund this absolute debacle and where it could be going to the development of the games yeah and yeah, look we we'll keep a close eye on it over the winter I'm sure there's more to come on that um, look we are looking hopefully to do we might just do either a year in review start to look to a year ahead episode might happen before Christmas if not it might happen in January when Shawnee comes back um, we're keen we're keen to do that and touch base with everyone again and we will have a prize as well we have a bit of a quiz coming up we have some nice good AGA gear to give away which we haven't given away yet Never give away the prize for the last. We still haven't done the maths on that, Liam. <laughs> hey, if you've got an hour, John, we can just give you that spreadsheet. You can go to the spreadsheet, so you should be able to do it. Let's just stand, Liam. All right, so thanks very much for coming down here this morning, Giggles. That was good. Good to be down here this morning. Nice morning. Shawnee, thanks for having us down here with you this morning. We were, me and Giggles went down. I was helping out with some of the under 12s or under 10s. You were training football at one stage. I was right? doing football at one stage. <laughs> Uh, Shawnee then had up me and Giggles down as his assistants for the under sixes so thanks for having us down with you it's a good ticket wasn't it no yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing in the rugby terminology here now with the coaching <laughs> yeah. ticket jargon but no good to have you down here guys and you're more than welcome every Sunday and anybody else to come down and give a hand the more the merrier it's a it's a great uh, great morning there's usually coffee and bacon and egg sandwiches down here but unfortunately Keith Kavanagh has gone home so Keith's a lot to answer for this morning I was yeah. coming out for the bacon rolls yeah <laughs> so but no it's, it's very good it's, it's a very enjoyable morning it's a nice way to spend the morning out in the, in the sunshine with the, with the kids and learning our, our heritage yeah and safe journey back to Ireland for Christmas Shawnee and we'll see you in January thanks guys alright today's episode was brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear the choice of champions please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers have a good one take care